Well, good morning, guys. You can go ahead and have a seat. My name is Mike. I'm the, uh, the, the campus pastor here at the Brigham City Campus. And uh, here, let me, let me move this real quick. Um, anyway, welcome, guys. Welcome to week one of the, the Prodigal series. Um, let's see, did Tim leave? Oh, it's a barrel, not a garbage can that we put the Easter candy in, okay? Um, I'm going to have him write that down. Like a kid at grade school, write the, you know, the word on the board, you know, 50 times or something like that. Don't be putting candy in the garbage. Tim, it's a barrel. <laughs> okay. Well, good morning, guys. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this is week one of this, of this uh, prodigal series, and um, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I want to tell you guys that, that if you got invited here this morning... Uh, by, by a friend or a family member. Uh, they did it because they love you, okay? Um, your friend knows that God wants a relationship with us and that he'll stop at nothing to get it. And I think that this, this series is, I think it stands to resonate with, with a lot of us here. And, um, you know, as I was prepping for this, I was reading something about uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a, a famous writer, and Charles Dickens, who's another famous writer, uh, both of them were quoted as saying that this parable we're going through today um, is the greatest short story ever told. So that's pretty impressive coming from people, you know, that have that kind of a, a writing pedigree, I think. Um, and so the next couple of weeks, let me, I was having problems with this earlier, but there we go. The next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at each character in this, in this parable. First, the, 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 the prodigal today, the rule breaker in the, in the story. And then we're, going to, we're also going to look at his brother, that's the rule follower. And also, we're going to look at, at the father who is representing God here. <clears throat> now, some of, us, some of us may see ourselves more in the, the prodigal, more in the, the rule breaker over here. Uh, some of us may see ourselves more in the, as a rule follower, right? Um, and then some of us may sort of come in and, and see this and, and hear this message and, and really relate to the perspective of, of the father here. But we're gonna see, uh, we'll all see how God treats each of us, whether we're more like the rule breaker or, or like the, the rule follower here. Um, so today, we're going we're gonna to take a look at this famous parable that Jesus is, is, is sharing called the prodigal son. And the, and the main thing, guys, that I want you uh, to, to get out of this is that if you are far from God, no matter, no matter how far uh, from God you are, there's still hope for you. Okay, We can't out-sin God's forgiveness. I want you to I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to remember that. We can't out-sin God's forgiveness. But as we get out of, at this, let me kind of define a couple of words here that, that I've mentioned already so we know what we're talking about. First one is prodigal. Now, when we hear prodigal or when we think about it in the context of this story, oftentimes we, we might think of it as like lost, right? And that's not necessarily wrong. The dictionary says, uh, spending money or resources freely and recklessly or wastefully extravagant. Okay, now, um, we could be wastefully extravagant with our lives, right? And that's, that's very, very similar to being lost, okay? The second word is parable. Parable means a simple story used to illustrate a moral 
or a spiritual lesson. Now, Jesus used parables dozens of times uh, during, or, you know, through the, throughout the, the four gospels. And in fact, he always used parables when teaching publicly. And I think the reason for this is because, you know, as, as people, we, we love stories, right? We, we love people's stories. They evoke our emotions and they help us to understand the context. And because they, they make the idea or the concept that we are discussing relatable to us, right? Like I'm sure you guys have, um, you've read a book or you've watched a movie and, and a character in that, in that story connects with you. Like you, you could see yourself in them or going through those same experiences, you know, or, or whatever that, that is. Um, for my wife, uh, she says, you know, she sees that when she, when she uh, watches Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, she, that, re- that relates to her. Or Mark, when he watches Grumpy Old Men, right? Same kind of a thing. So that's, that's where we are uh, today, guys. We're reading through this story that Jesus is sharing with us in Luke 15, where he's, he's talking about rule breakers and, and rule followers. Now, he is, he's, he's talking about this with the Pharisees, okay? He's, he's going through, this is actually a, the third parable he shares in this chapter, but he's, he's speaking to them. Uh, you know, they, they, don't, they don't care for him. They think that he's associating with the wrong people. And so he's, he's relating these parables to them so that they'll understand. And in Luke 15, it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now in, the, in that Jewish culture there, it's important for us to understand there, they had these established uh, rules of inheritance that they all understood, right? Uh, these were laid out in, the, in the, uh, the first several books of the Bible. Um, when a man in that culture divides his inheritance, he must recognize the rights of his, of his oldest son by giving him a double portion. So he gets twice as much as, as any of the other uh, sons would get. He's the first son of his father's virility, and as such, uh, he has rights um, of being the firstborn. Uh, they, those, are, those, those rights belong to him. Now, the father could assign those assets before he dies. Like this son's going to get those cows and this son's going to get, you know, the, the family farm and, you know, whatever. Um, before he dies, he can, he can divide that up and, and assign that. Uh, but but those, the, the profits from those assets were still legally the, the dad's until the time of his death. But in this situation, the younger son, when he gets it, he sells these assets so these, we got to understand that these, these assets were the father's income stream, okay? So if you imagine a, a, a privately owned, you know, a, a construction company here, family-owned construction company, and, uh, and it's successful, and the, the, the son knows that at some point he's going to take over the, the family business, and, and he'll be the CEO and the owner of it, and uh, that sort of thing. But as for right now, while dad owns it, this is how he how he lives and how he, he pays his bills, right? But then one day the son decides that, that he's going to uh, up and, and sell the family business. And so, so he sells the, the, 
uh, backhoe and he sells the, the flatbed truck and the, and the generators and the drills and the hammers and all of the tools. He sells them all. And then all of a sudden, dad's got no way to survive, right? He's got no, no income stream. So this decision um, that this younger son makes here, this is, this is really like going in and just stealing one third of, of the dad's uh, nest egg, his retirement nest egg, right? And remember that back in that culture, um, back at that time, there's no social security, there's no government welfare program or anything like that. Family was responsible for taking care of family. And so really to understand this, let's take a second and just to understand how wrong this is in this culture. Let's look at this passage here in, in Deuteronomy 21, because dishonoring your father isn't just a bad thing. It's not just frowned upon. This is a serious crime, okay? It says in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, it says, suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Pay attention to this part. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. Now, it's not, it, 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 I don't have it up here on this slide, but the next, the next sentence says, in this way, you will purge this evil from among you and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. I think this is curious. I, I mentioned earlier that this was Jesus is talking to the, to the Pharisees, right? Um, this parable that we're studying today um, as he's talking with those Pharisees, it's, it's really interesting because one of the problems that, that they have with him uh, is that they think that he's a glutton and a drunkard for who, because of who he hangs out with, right? Because he hangs out with tax collectors and, and the notorious sinners. So when we look at the son's request here to, to get that, that, that money be, before he's supposed to, when we look at that through the lens of this cultural standard of honoring your, your father and not disrespecting him, we see that this is really like him coming and saying, dad, I wish you were dead already, right? Or, or saying like, um, you're, you are in the way of me living this, this reckless life uh, according to my rules. Well, that's what the definition of, of sin is in the Bible, when we live our lives according to the way that we want, rather than doing things God's way. So, let's take a look at some lessons for rule breakers here, and, and I think that the seriousness of this passage that we just went through um, really demonstrates why this is an important topic. And the, the first lesson for rule breakers is this, the farther you wander, the further away you'll be. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Like that doesn't take a genius to understand that. But still, sometimes, guys, we, sometimes we know that we've made a bad decision and we continue in the, in the wrong direction anyway, right? Your mom used to say, don't cut your nose off to spite your face. Same kind of thing, right? We, we, we know that this is a bad decision 
and we continue on. Now, years ago, when I was a, a sheriff's deputy, um, I was out patrolling the west deserts of, of Utah out here, way, way out here on the, on the Pilot Mountain Range. It's, it's very, very remote out here. And I start driving up this, this old mining road that I've never been on, on the Pilot Mountains, right there on the, on the Nevada uh, state line. And uh, I get to the top, this, ro- this, this road's already pretty rough, and I get to the top, and as I crest over the top, there's been this rainstorm that's come through, and it's washed out great big sections of, this, of what road is even there. And I, I decide I want to go see how far I can go down, down this road. And I start down it, and I've got you know, red flags in my brain and, and alarm bells going, hey, Mike, don't do this. This is a, this is a stupid uh, decision. But I decided I wanted to see how far I could go, so I just kept pressing it and pressing it and pressing it. And, uh, you know, by the time I realized, by the time I got to a place where my truck was physically in, you know, incapable of going any further, and I turned around and I looked up that mountain that I had just come down and that road I now had to try and make my way back, I had gotten myself in a very, um, a, a very difficult and a very dangerous situation. And I, and I realized right then and there, man, the further you wander, the further away you'll be, right? I knew that as I was going down there, I just kept pressing it and, uh, and, I, and I knew better and uh, had to pay the price. And you know, Jesus is making this point here in this, in this chapter in Luke 15. He continues on in verse, oh, there it is already. In verse 13, it says, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. I think several, we, we probably know somebody like this, right? We've probably known, maybe it's been us. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. So not only does he run out of money that he had based this decision on, right? But now there's a famine, and he ends up, he's starving here. So the youth and, and the exuberance that he had prompt him to be a, a little too confident in himself. And he's far too dismissive of, of maybe the, the wisdom that his father might have uh, shared with him or been trying to share with him. And this, is, this sounds familiar to, to me. It might sound familiar to you guys too. If you were here uh, with us during our last series, The Culture Wars, um, then you would, if you, if, you, if you missed that series, you can go to alpinechurch.org, hit the resources tab, and, and go to the podcast there. And you can find all of those um, messages, all of the sermons from that message. It was a really great series, but it's familiar. We learned in that that our culture's all in trying to teach our, our, our young people new and, and enlightened, you know, enlightened ways of, of living life that often... Um, are counter, they, they go against what, what God tells us to do. So Jesus continues on here in, in verse, 15, verse 15, says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one would give him anything. Now, guys, if we, just, if we just called this a day and stopped this, this, uh, this parable right here, I think a lot of us would, 
would say, hey, okay, that's a, that's a pretty good lesson right there that we can, we can use as a life lesson to teach our kids about, about consequences, right? About making better decisions and thinking things through. Son gets what he deserves after all, right? He goes against God's ways and he's reduced to the humiliating level of envying the life of a pig. And this is, this is something, I mean, envying the life of a pig, it's, that is, it's all the worse in that culture because they're, the Jewish cultural beliefs were that pigs were, were an unclean animal, right? So this would be a powerful life lesson if we stop right there. But that's not the lesson that Jesus is teaching, okay? Jesus is telling us a story here of redemption. And in doing this, he glorifies God so this brings us to our second point here is that Jesus wasn't, he, you know, Jesus wasn't focused on, on pointing out the sin here, but rather on reminding us uh, <clears throat> that not all is lost. And our, our second point then is it's not too late to turn back if you're willing to repent. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have, have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. <clears throat> now, guys, I want to take a second and I want to talk about repentance, okay? Because maybe that's something that's, that's, you know, a new term or, or something you're not familiar with. So here in the, in the middle of his life storm, right, this, this bad situation, <clears throat> the son comes to his senses, right? He, it finally clicks with him um, just how far he's, he's gone from, from home, just how wrong he has allowed his, his life to get. He's having this, this um, existential moment where he's just kind of like, he's just look, looking at his life around him. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, what is, what's going on here? What am I, what am I doing here? I'm starving to death. And, and at home, this would, dad would never let this happen. There was resources there. I, I wouldn't be starving to death at home. And he decides, I have to go back and I have to admit what I have done was wrong. But guys, I know that, you know, for many of us, this is hard, right? Because inside of us, we have this sort of natural um, pridefulness. Even when we know that we've done wrong, a lot of us guys, we just, we don't want to admit it. And that is a, that's a dangerous place to be, right? It's destructive and, and it's lonely there. But don't you think that it's true that sometimes we have to really hit rock bottom before we can come to our senses? The, the son, he knows that, right? He, he gets it. He's, he's at that place. He knows that he's blown it. He knows that he's disrespected his father. He knows that he has dishonored his, his family name. <clears throat> he knows that he has no chance of that, that great life that he's envisioned for himself or that his, that his father was trying to build for him. But as he, 
sits there and he considers this, he also recognizes that even his father's servants have it better than, than his life living among pigs. So he decides it's better to go back, tuck his tail between his legs, and go back and, and just humbly ask his father to take him on as a, as a hired hand, right? <clears throat> See, the key here, guys, is that the son, he has a heart of repentance. And I know that word can kind of sound a bit churchy, right? Maybe, maybe I've not explained that uh, fully yet. <clears throat> repentance. Like, what's that mean? Well, the thing is, is his perspective on, on reality, on, on, his, on his situation has changed, and it's, and it's changed dramatically. As he realized uh, how bad the situation has become, he also understood that he was responsible for it. And he thinks back, and he, thinks, he, he considers, and he thinks back about his father's goodness and realizes that there might be a chance that his, that his dad would take him back as a servant. So instead of fleeing as far as he can go, instead of continuing on that washed out, rocky, terrible road that he's on, instead he changes course, guys, and he heads for home. Now, if if this is you know if if this is new to you if if uh, you're you're not at a place where you you call yourself a follower you know a Christ follower, um, then then maybe there's still some you're trying to figure out you know what's Christianity all about. Well, I'll tell you that that repentance is a part of the Christian life from the very beginning till the very end. It's recognizing that we have all sinned against God. The Bible tells us that in a couple of places, we, that we've all sinned against God. It's, it's taking responsibility. And then it's asking for forgiveness. And then, on top of that, it's changing the way that we live through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sin, guys, I told you at the very beginning, sin is going our way, right? Repentance is, is turning back to God and going, going his way instead. You know, and this might be the most important thing uh, that you've ever heard in your life up to this point, but I want you guys to, to pay attention. As long as you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late to turn back to God. Now, Paul writes this, this letter to the Romans, right? The book of Romans here. And this passage just jumps out to me as a, as a pastor, it resonates with me, right? This is a, I can imagine, I can imagine the, the, the passion, maybe the tears that, that Paul wrote behind, you know, that were behind his writing this to, to, to the Romans, to people that he loves, that he wants to, to help. And he says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that this kindness is intended to, to turn you from your sin? Our third point here goes right along with this, and that is something I said at the beginning, which is you can never out sin God's forgiveness. 
He goes on in, in verse 20 here and says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So let's, let's, look, at this, let's look at this passage right here and point a couple of things out, but I'm going to start with that end part right there. Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Remember, he, he knew he had dishonored the family name. He had, he had disrespected his, his father, right? But at the beginning of this, we, we learned that the son had traveled a great distance before he has this sort of, you know, moment of, of realizing that he needs to go back. He's traveled a long distance and it's taken some time. And so when he turns around and he's going back, it takes some time to get back, Right? And through the time that he travels back home, by the time he gets there, he had maintained an attitude of repentance. The first thing he does is he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That suggests that this this change of heart was genuine, right? He was genuinely wanting something else. His heart was, was, was broken. The second point that I want to make, though, here is this. It also says that the father saw him coming while he was a long way off, too. Guys, that means dad was watching. And he was waiting eagerly for his son to come home. When he sees him coming from a long ways off, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, oh, good. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach him a lesson as soon as he gets back. He's wasted all my money. I can't wait to get a piece of this. No, it says that he was filled with love and compassion. You know, I shared a, a, a thing in the first service that uh, I was at my son's school picking him up one day uh, afterward, sitting outside, and, and he's usually like one of the first kids out of the school. As soon as that's done, he's usually, you know, out of there right away. And, and one day, he wasn't. He, was, he, he wasn't out of there right away. And, uh, you know, I, I, start, I waited and I waited and I waited and I, I got worried and then I got mad, right? And, and when he eventually came out, um, he got into the truck and I lashed out at him angrily. I was mad. Rather than with compassion and love and joy at knowing that he was okay, I lashed out with anger. But in this passage, we see how much better a father God is than I am. And we see that the father runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. (laughs) He goes on to say that, uh, you know, he called for, he called for uh, the servants uh, to get him a robe and a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And there's a whole bunch more that he does. Um, and we'll learn about the father next week. 
But what we see here is this, guys. Now, you know, if, if you've been coming to Alpine for a while, you have heard me or one of the other teaching pastors get up here and talk about, uh, you know, about pursuing a relationship with, with God. And the son, as soon as he turned around and was headed home, he's pursuing a relationship with his father, and he knew it was going to be better than the life that he was fleeing. But all the while, all the while, the father was pursuing him even more. And God is pursuing you. He's standing there and he's waiting eagerly for you. He's watching from a long ways off. He's anticipating and he's hoping for you. He wants you to return to him, guys. He has so much better in existence for us than, than anything we could, we could plan out or imagine for ourselves. See, he loves us and he cares for us while we are far off, going our way, instead of following him and following his ways. And so he made a way for us to be reunited with him in closer relationship with him. God proved this through sending his, his son Jesus pay our sins on the cross and make a, a way for us to be in perfect relationship with him. The good news, guys, is that no matter how far you are from God, no matter how much sin you have piled up, God's right there. Now, I know, you know, it's our, it's our nature. You think that works for everybody else in this room, but you have a deep, dark secret, right? We've all got deep, dark secrets, guys. No matter how much sin you've piled up, God is right there. He's pursuing you. And he's inviting you into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this, that, that the prodigal um, means spending money or resources freely and recklessly and being wastefully extravagant. But guys, this isn't, you know, this isn't just about money, Right? If you look honestly at your life, if you are wastefully extravagant with, with the resource of your life, if you're far from God, no, no matter how far, there's still hope for you guys. And we can never, we can never outsin God's forgiveness. You guys pray with me. Lord God, I just I thank you for the uh the, the unfathomable depths of your forgiveness for us. Lord, I, um, as a fallible man, I know that I've got a list of, of sins that I've committed in my life, and, and uh, it seems daunting to think that that could be forgiven. But Lord, you, uh, we, we, we read in your word that you're, you're faithful and, and just, and that, that you do forgive and so, Lord, I just ask that you help anybody who's hearing this message today and, and maybe they're looking at that list of, of sins from their life and maybe they're thinking the, that they're the one person that this doesn't work for. And Lord, I just ask that you would help them uh, to, to be open to considering this, to, to learning more about this, that this wouldn't be um, a lesson that they hear and then they, they, they dismiss, but, but that this would... Uh, resonate with them, that it would bounce around in their, in their mind for, for the rest of the week, and that they wouldn't be able to uh, forget about this. 
and that they would that they would know that you are standing there waiting and watching eagerly for them to turn back and to come back home. And so, Lord, I just ask that if they are in that position, that you would you would uh, uh, empower the rest of us with with uh, the the wherewithal to be there for people as they as they want to find out more about you. That we wouldn't that we wouldn't wait for somebody else to have this conversation, but that we would step out of our our comfort zone and go and have these conversations with somebody who's who's interested in learning more about this. Somebody that wants to to learn more about your unfathomable forgiveness. Lord, we love you, and we are so grateful that you want this, this right relationship with us and that you sent your son to give us that opportunity. Lord, we love you, and we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.